0: Today's sponsor is Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com slash decode.
1: Recode Radio presents Recode Decode, hosted by Kara Swisher.
0: Hi, I'm Kara Swisher, executive editor of Recode, and you're listening to Recode Decode. You may know me better from my extensive real estate holdings in San Francisco, which is a topic today. But I also, in my spare time, do a little tech reporting. The tech industry is constantly changing, and it's not always clear what's going on. We want to help you understand how and why. On Recode Decode, we talk about where tech is going, where it's been, and how it affects everyday people, which is why this week's interview in the Red Chair is particularly pertinent. We'll be talking to Ro Habibi, San Francisco real estate broker and one of the stars of the Bravo reality TV show million-dollar listing, San Francisco. That's actually a small house, right, Roe? A million dollar list. That'll
1: buy you a studio or a one bedroom. Oh, all right. We'll get to that. We'll (laughs) get to
0: that. Roe is one of the people intimately involved in how tech money is transforming the city of San Francisco. His TV show captures the explosive wealth in the city and how San Francisco's physical space is changing rapidly. And as only a reality TV show can do, there is drama, drama, and also drama. And Roe is in the middle of it all. Let's hear what he has to say. Welcome, Roe.
1: Thank you so much for having me today. I'm very excited to be here.
0: Good. I'm glad. I, you know, real estate is what everyone loves to talk about, really. Who cares about the gadgets themselves? I think it's, it's probably the number
1: one talked about topic for for everywhere you go. I mean, if you're at a family party, yeah. if you're at the Safeway line, no matter where you are, someone's talking about real estate in one way or another.
0: 100%. So let's talk about what, what it's like. T- tell me about how you got to the show. You've been a real estate person in San Francisco for how long?
1: So I, I've been working in real estate since April of 2012 so not that long a little over three years okay um my prior background is in finance Mm -hmm. I I did international business at San Jose State and I did grad school at Berkeley for Mm -hmm. financial planning and wealth management so I was working for J.P. Morgan um assets under management financial planning um I got like my SEC licenses and stuff like that because
0: like that's where the money is right Um, why why rob a bank
1: Yeah. yeah not necessarily um I I was working in finance and kind of unhappy with what I was doing. It wasn't really fulfilling. I wasn't really a money guy, Mm -hmm. and building bank balances kind of didn't fulfill me in any way. So real estate is something that it's a tangible asset. Um, It it definitely is highly involved in people's portfolios for for how they uh, acquire wealth and and pretty much amass wealth over the years. You know, Carnegie said a quote that 90% of millionaires did so in in one way or another through real estate. Mm -hmm. So I like the aspect of you know being able to buy some help someone buy a home and and they're and they're building their foundation and their family life and and all those memories and they're using it as a as an asset that's going to acquire value. And
0: San Francisco the hottest, one of the hottest markets in the country. Correct? I would say so, yeah. So that, how did you but, get to but the show? But I think San
1: Francisco is something that it's it's not happening as quickly or, or as big as other you know global hub cities has. I think we're very very behind, and I think our price points here sorry to the viewer out there we're very cheap right oh, to sure. buy property okay, here in well, we're San gonna Francisco. get
0: into that because most people don't think that yeah so um so talk about what how did you get on the show what was the the idea uh, is that it's, it's tech focused this show is very tech focused I around. think
1: so because you know Silicon Valley has moved up to San Francisco and mm-hmm. the show kind of really is focused on San Francisco proper um it's been a wild ride. It's been crazy. You know, they reached out to me back in November of 2012 mm-hmm. when they when they came about wanting to do the show. They took a long pause and halt because they went over and did Miami instead. Mm-hmm. So two years later, they came back and reached out to several agents. You know, there's 4,100 agents in San Francisco. So they reached out to a plethora of people, you know, all walks of life, men, women, old, young, trying to find a dynamic three-people cast, mm-hmm. that's going to be interesting enough to watch, but also is going to be a captivating enough thing to watch over the next few seasons and, and to grow with these agents. Right. So, um, you know, they didn't exactly pick the person so, that's already doing a hundred million a year. So and, the
0: premise, it seems to me is that tech people are sort of pricing everyone else out of San Francisco and the idea of like what they want, how different they are. Talk a little bit about the, the landscape right now, because you're saying it's cheap, but most people feel it's insane. Like right now it's quite insane. I mean, we have a, another site, our sister site, Uh, uh, curb that talks about crazy, like, here's the closet for a million dollars and things like that. And it's all because of some jackass at Instagram that wanted (laughs) to buy something, you know, or that can pay cash and stuff like that. So talk about the the impact of tech on real estate here.
1: It's it's having an enormous impact. So just to put something in perspective, uh, commercial real estate is pretty much directly related to residential real estate. Mm -hmm. So in San Francisco proper right now, 60% of the least commercial space is for companies of technology. Right. So that means and they've been, been moving in Twitter. Oh, they're moving in like Uber, in droves. Salesforce. La- yeah, last year, fourteen companies leased out commercial space of ninety five thousand square feet or more. Mm-hmm. That's like the biggest buildings, right? Mm-hmm. So LinkedIn as- has a building, right? Exactly. Yeah, really? I mean Salesforce has a whole tower. Right. Um, you know, Google's here in multiple offices. So it's it's been one of those things where. As more and more, pe- more people are, are inflexed into the city, displaced from places like Ohio or New York City or other areas, having to, move, yeah, having to move here to the Bay Area in San Francisco proper in general, there's just not enough inventory. Mm-hmm. There's not enough rental space. There's not enough places to buy. Um, this is why the price points are actually driving up very much so. And if you've written five, six, seven, ten offers, mm-hmm. it comes to the point where you kind of get silly. Mm-hmm. You kind of get crazy. Mm-hmm. So that next offer that you do might be you know, hundreds of thousands over asking. It doesn't make sense, but it's just the fact that you need a place to live. Right. And you're just tired of not winning. It's an ego thing, too. It comes to the point where you need to win another bid. So you do that drastic measure that may not make sense which is you pay
0: cash or you you do you there's no contingencies exactly. or you agree to marry the daughter of the person <laughs> selling the house or something like
1: that you, you promise to walk their dog for the rest of yeah, their life right.
0: so tell me a little bit what how are tech pe- so here you have a city which has limited space because yes. there's it's a peninsula and it's, uh-huh. there's just is what there is mm-hmm. um there's development going on everywhere uh, happening, putting up buildings all along Market Street and stuff mm-hmm. like that. There's all these headquarters going in Uber, Twitter, LinkedIn. Uh, you know, Google has a big space, but these are big towers now going mm-hmm. up. Um, I think it was led by Twitter, really, was the first. I uh, think after
1: after the mayor gave the the tax incentives for companies of technology or just companies in general wanting to move in, especially to an area like that, that mid-market 9th mm-hmm. Street area that was very sketchy. You know, now they call it, you know, the Twitter loin, but you know, the tenderloin <laughs> they is definitely do? yeah. <laughs> Who calls it the Twitter loin. Everyone calls it. All the right, terminal. okay. I'll, so I'll, I'll you start know, doing the that. the tenderloin is not so tender. Right. So now now that companies like that are there, you know, they've built an apartment complex actually across the street from right. Twitter <laughs> that has you know thousands of units. And right now there's five thousand apartment units in the pipeline that are being built for people to rent out. And for as far as condos for people to actually be able to buy and purchase, there's about nine hundred forty four of them. Just not that much.
0: Not that much. So let's talk about the, before we get to the crazy stories, because I want to hear the crazy <laughs> real estate stories, because everybody likes those. Um, is it a problem creating the city? Sort of the haves and have-nots. I mean, because you it do is. go down into the Tenderloin, which I still call the Tenderloin. And it is diff. It's hard. Yeah. You know, there's it's issues of. Uh, it's just a. It's a. It's a little bit difficult. It's still sketchy down there. And the Absolutely. question is, what? How do you build a city? And how are you a real estate agent? Here you are trying to jack these prices. Obviously, you want to sell more of them.
1: Yeah, it's it's kind of a double edged sword. Mm-hmm there's there's no question about it there's gentrification going on here in San Francisco and that's a, that's for certain um right now there's a big uproar going on in the mission district because there's a lot of development going on and not big developments like you know under 30 units for sure mm-hmm. but there's low income housing that's over there there's people that have been there forever there's people that are moving in over there having them you know doing a mover move in eviction or buying a whole entire building and Ellis acting it in order mm-hmm. for them to be able to you know refresh Let's it Let's explain. Ellis
0: act is, is to evict people Ellis act means in.
1: to evict a whole building right and and it's not the best thing to do you know it is a capitalist society where people are trying to make money mm-hmm. unfortunately you know with that comes that moral compass of you know do I feel comfortable moving all these people that have been here for 10 15 20 years out so I could make a buck um Well, do you? Yeah, that's people's own personal thing. How do you feel about it? I'm not a big fan of it.
0: Right. So what do you do? Because they want these condos. They want these places. They have tons of money.
1: Yeah. um, It's one of those things where I'm very happy to say that none of my clients have ever done any LSX. Mm -hmm. Um, I've been lucky enough not to have to deal with clients that are really, really in it to to change things for financial gain. Um, A majority of the clients that I've dealt with are buying single family homes, are Mm -hmm. buying condos to live in, possibly to rent out. Um, they understand that San Francisco is a very heavy rent control type of place for any building that was built before 1979, and I make sure they understand all this before they get into it. Um, as far as the tech client goes, they're looking for something modern. Mm-hmm. The main thing that really is driving them on where they want to purchase, though, is accessibility and amenities. Mm-hmm. They want to be able to walk outside their home, hang out at a bar, cafe, boutique shopping, restaurants. Um, you know, they they take Uber around, they ride the Muni, they ride their bikes. It's a it's a completely different world from from what we were dealing with before real estate related. Mm-hmm. Um, and well, what Ford's, kind of city
0: does that create, though? I mean, this you know a, a couple months ago, a lot there more were people, bike lanes. Yeah, I know. There's uh, but there were people vomiting on buses because the buses are also an issue. You know, people going back that they, they bus people down, back and forth to Silicon Valley where these companies are. Mm-hmm. What kind of city is being created here? Because it, is it the haves and have nots? It really is. And what do you do? What do you?
1: What do you do? I mean, change is inevitable. Mm-hmm. If you look through the history books, no matter where it is, I mean, if it's Chelsea in, in New York City, which mm-hmm. in the past three years has just completely changed, mm-hmm. different world over there. Mm-hmm. It's the same thing happening over here. There, it's going to come to a point where price points are going to be so high that a lot of people are not going to be able to live in San Francisco, which is already happening now, which is what helps out the rest of the Bay Area. So right now, people that are being outpriced of San Francisco, they're moving over to Berkeley, which is our new Brooklyn. Mm-hmm. And Oakland and West Oakland. Mm-hmm. So now all that runoff is going over there, mm-hmm. which from a big general scheme of things, I think it's good for the whole entire Bay Area. I I feel like people don't understand how large and vast the Bay Area is and how many mm-hmm. different areas there are for you to live. Mm-hmm. You don't have to live in San Francisco. Prefer. Well, if you've
0: lived the mission your whole life and then some like, irritating that. app maker comes in and t- Takes your building from you or something like that. You do have a feeling of oh, of course, you know. And and San Francisco's had again. You said a very strong rent control Mm -hmm. and very strong. There's
1: a there's a lot of tenants' rights and they're trying to put them in place. But because of what's happening, you know, the the new money which is going on right now, a lot of it has to do with technology, of course. Um, You know, definitely the whole the whole playing field is changing. These. These young, you know, 20-somethings, very early 30s, they have enough money to come in and buy a, a building all cash and mm-hmm. and turn that into their incubator or turn that into their living residence or have a lot of their employees live with them because that's kind of a new trend for them. They want, you know, to be able to test people to have them come on board to their company. They want mm-hmm. to live with them. They right. really want to understand who these people are right. and what they're bringing to the table.
0: These co-ops, these tech exactly, co-ops. Exactly,
1: yeah. yeah. So, so it's it's just a completely changed world. It's a so, very different so, world here. So talk
0: about you know you've been a real estate agent for a short time yeah. on this show. You you talk about some of the the things that you were trying to get through on the show. Besides the drama of a reality of show, course. like you want to fight with the person and yell over whatever. <laughs> but what are you trying to do? And then we're, I want to get into the stories of what what people are buying and what's
1: going for, on For for the show what I really wanted to do one of my main objectives was to take the veils off of what's going on in the San Francisco Bay Area mm-hmm. There's never been a show like this mm-hmm. there you know it's not a Los Angeles type of vibe it's not mm-hmm. a New York City type of vibe where people are driving around in Rolls-Royces and they have money and they show the fact that they have money or or buying you know 95 million dollar penthouses in New York City it's San Francisco is a very low key area you don't know who's sitting next to you on the Muni you mm-hmm. don't know what their net worth is it's it's a very, like, you cannot judge. You mean the judge... billionaire
0: on the M- Muni? Yeah, I didn't see you, any this morning, you, but okay. You, <laughs>
1: you can't judge a book by its cover. Right. And, and that's something that I appreciate about this town. Yeah. It's a very humble town. You don't really know what's going on. So everyone's pretty friendly and you really get to know people without... Having any idea of what their finances are, and you don't have an ulterior motive on getting to meet them. No, not 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 at all.
0: You know, it's interesting. We'll get into that next uh, in a second. Uh, When I was coming out of the Ritz Carlton residences where a friend of mine lives, uh, a guy was getting on the elevator, and it was the the man who sold uh, Jan Kuhn, who sold WhatsApp to uh, Facebook for I don't forget it was nineteen billion dollars, some enormous number. My kid was with me, and I said uh, I said hello, and then we passed, and he said, "Who what Who is that homeless guy going up to the (laughs) up to the penthouse?" I said, "Oh." (laughs) <laughs> yes, that's that's a billionaire. Nice to yeah. meet you. All right, <laughs> uh, when, when, <laughs> I'm going to do a short break here, but and when sure. we get back, we're going to talk about some what tech people like in their Absolutely. housing and where it's going. Okay. So this is the part where we talk about Audible.com, which is our sponsor, which I have used for decades because I'm super old and I've loved it since the beginning on devices. I used to play it on my phonograph. Now, I've had it for many years. Uh, And if you're always on the go like myself and don't have time to sit down and read, Audible.com is a great source to be able to catch up on the latest bestsellers. One of my personal favorites that I've been listening to lately is Let's Explore Diabetes with Owls by David Sedaris. I know it sounds dire, but it's hysterical. I listen on the road and at the gym, when I go to the gym, which is never. Audible.com is a leading provider of premium digital spoken audio information and entertainment on the internet. It has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products, and it carries it in lots of genres, imaginable business, classics, history, self-development, just to name a few. Audible is offering our listeners a free audiobook of your choice and a free 30-day trial membership. Just go to audible.com slash decode and choose from any of those audio programs Download a title free and start listening. It's that easy. Go to audible.com/slash decode. That's audible.com slash decode and get started today. Now, Roe, talk about what tech people want. I want to talk a little bit about the home of the future, too, because do they want modern? What are they tell me some crazy stories? What's the craziest tech story you've gotten <laughs> on the show or, or is coming up? So
1: I I want to tell you a funny story okay, first. All right. Okay. So a gentleman calls me up last week. And we're chatting. He's like, hey, you know, how are you doing? I live in the Mission right now. I'm, I'm a pretty young guy, you know, so don't be kind of offset mm-hmm. at, at how young I am and stuff like that. I want to buy something. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, sure, let's meet. Mm-hmm. So he's like, yeah, come on over. So he gives me his address. He lives in the Mission. So I get to his house. There's like seven kids that live there. Mm-hmm. This guy's like 19 years old. And it's mayhem in there, right? right? It's just all these people. They're sleeping on cots. One person's sleeping inside the closet, literally sleeping right. inside the closet. Right. So That's a condo, <laughs> just so you know. Yeah, right? So... So I'm meeting all these kids and one guy's like, oh, you know, I'm from Virginia and the other one's like, oh, I'm from down south. Mm -hmm. Other guy's like, oh, I live in Palo Alto. So all of these kids are living together. They're all brainiacs. They're all very deep into technology. This kid that I'm dealing with, he's like, look, you know, I I just got a whole bunch of seed funding for my company. I have money that I want to actually buy a place mm-hmm. so we could we could all live together and, and do it that way. So I was like, great. So we get in the car. We start going to look for properties. He's looking for something like three to four bedrooms, mm-hmm. a good amount of square footage. They want a backyard so they could have barbecues and, and hangouts and stuff like that. So he's like, bro, you know, you dress really well. And, and you know, obviously he's not mm-hmm. really well put together. And I may like say that. you do. You look fantastic. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. So, he, so he's like – could you kind of give me some you know pointers on how to dress mm-hmm. and and also um you know I'm trying to get some dates
0: <laughs> so you're, uh, so so now so I'm you're like a facilitator yeah anyways.
1: so so we're just having the, I'm just laughing inside and he's like you know I, I can't get a date and so I'm just giving him pointers on on how to you know possibly go and mm-hmm. talk to women and, and how to kind of put himself together a little bit better especially for these listing pitches that they're doing right. for for the VCs and stuff like that so that is this conversation that I'm having with this young 19-year-old mm-hmm. guy that is extremely successful, that wants to buy a place in San Francisco, which is, like you say, really very expensive. expensive. Right. So, but he can't get a date. But he can't get a date, and he doesn't know how to dress. What,
0: what do tech people want? Okay, so they they're, want, they want clothing le- advice and dating yeah. advice. What else? <laughs>
1: they're, they're looking for an open concept. Right. They would love it to be modern, mm-hmm. clean edges, sharp lines, good light. They A lot of the tech young guys and girls that i've dealt with they want you know south-facing light which is great in the morning all the way until the afternoon others would like north-facing light so they could get the sunset they're really big on watching the sunset by the mm-hmm. way okay they, they've always asked me what are the best places in the city to watch the sunset really? which is interesting. interesting um maybe it's for that meditation or something or like maybe
0: that maybe it's just they've been staring at that <laughs> computer all screen all day
1: <laughs> yeah so they they love the modern aspect um a lot of them love the amenity buildings
0: what is the strangest ask you've had from a tech person
1: one guy told me he wants something that is completely – so he wants one specific room mm-hmm. that's completely separated from every single thing else in the house. He wanted it painted black. Okay. The whole entire room wanted it painted black. Right. Um, and he said he wants that to be like his sleeping room, recharge room, just away from the whole entire house and everything else that's around it. And, um He's like, you know, I don't sleep much. I'm on coffee and caffeine and all that stuff all the time. So when I do want that quiet time, I want to be in like a just completely black room away from everything else. He even covered the windows. Uh-huh. And I thought that was very weird. Right. But I, I kind of I, I get what he's trying to the do. House. But I sold him the house. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. So um other things that they want, you know, th- some they, they don't necessarily care about having technological aspects within the house. Really, like they don't want that smart
0: home and yeah, stuff.
1: They like... don't really care about the smart home. I think they're right. around technology so much to the point where they're like, "Look, we don't really need it in our house. It's not mm-hmm. a big deal." Um, mainly, they want a big kitchen. Not a lot of them cook. They definitely order in quite a bit. So,
0: are they? You were talking about them being more simplistic than people in Los Angeles or New they're York. They're
1: very, they're very simple.
0: Right in that in yeah. that how explain that
1: so. I've, I've dealt with clients that wanted to buy per- property in, you know, places like Silver Lake and other areas in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. Um, it's very bourgeois. Mm-hmm. They they want the zip code. Mm-hmm. They want people to be able to have, you know, they want that street presence from the exterior. They want mm-hmm. people to be kind of that wow factor of, mm-hmm. wow, oh my God, this person bought this home for however many dollars. And, and it's something that's very appealing and, and that wow factor. In San Francisco for a lot of the clients that we've dealt with they they don't care about that they don't want that they the the exterior of the home they could care less about what it looks like or what other people are going to be like quote unquote judging them from the exterior or anything like that they just want the interior to be very comfortable they want to have a lot of friends over it's a very community type of feel for a lot of them.
0: Yet on the other side, you know, not just in, in terms of the issues around rich and poor, mm-hmm. the really rich is old San Francisco has problems with the tech people because they're starting to buy those mansions in Pacific Heights and others. It's,
1: it's changing, yeah. Yeah,
0: so what, how how are they reacting to that? Because there is an old San Francisco. Yeah, here there's
1: there is very much so an old garden. Let me tell you, they, they don't take to it with too much liking. Yeah. Because now this home that they've had for five generations, the next door neighbor is this young kid. Mm-hmm. That is kind of like ruining the demographic of their neighborhood and, mm-hmm. and kind of it's, – it's something that definitely is going to take a lot for them to get used to. Um, people parking in different places, maybe parking in front of their parking spot, right. so having do, people do wanna all the Do they want to buy those
0: big houses, those big Pacific Heights houses, those big mansions would, up there? I
1: would say not so much the younger. I mm-hmm. would say the high-level CEOs and starters of these companies, mm-hmm. I think forever it will forever be that Pacific Heights is the trophy property in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. It's that trophy neighborhood. It's, it's the place that after so having five, ten transactions, as person, you aspire you want to live So where do you heights. live
0: if you don't, if you're a techie? Where, tell, give me break it You're down. living on the
1: south side. Right. South side of the city. So you're going to live in Soma, South Beach, mm-hmm. Mission Bay, mm-hmm. Yerba Buena, which right. is right here in the downtown in the high rises. Right. Uh-huh. If you're not going to live there, if you want more of like a condo, single family home feel, but more like, or, uh, like suburban, I guess you could yeah. say, you're going to go over to the dog patch. Mm-hmm. You're going to go to the Mission Noe Valley, Eureka so Valley, Glorious, Product Manager at yeah. Google. Yeah, and then and then also sometimes if you have a family you're going to live in Bernal Heights. Mm-hmm. So that's a place where you're going to get a single family home with a garage and a backyard. So, you know, there there's just something for everyone here. There's so many different flavors and neighborhoods. You're going to love Hayes Valley, Alamo Square. So, there's just the city is really, really cool. It's so there's something anywhere. for everyone. Techies will live anywhere.
2: Yeah, so but like it has to be it has to, to be anywhere. accessible though. Right. Right.
1: Accessibility is the the very important so, part, either to it, the Caltrain or to the Muni or to, to be able to get around.
0: I don't want to focus on an ugly part of it. But have you seen ugly parts of it though that you see with all this money? Because in the end, even the ugly part is the gentrification. Right. That's the
1: thing. That's it's sad actually. You know because you know you guys saw the curb article probably mm-hmm. not too long ago where someone in um, you know the outer mission raised their rent. Um, fourfold or threefold from mm-hmm. like I think two thousand dollars to like nine thousand mm-hmm. dollars, which it's the right for you know mm-hmm. the the seller has or the owner of the home has the right to raise the rent. Right, you know there's nothing wrong with that, but it, it made headlines because it's such a drastic raise, and and the person that was living there probably contacted a whole bunch of media companies saying, mm-hmm. "Hey, look 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 what's, look what's happening to me," but you have to think about it two ways, right, Kara? So you're a homeowner,
3: mm-hmm. and
1: you have. Someone that's been living in your house and paying like a thousand dollars a month, mm-hmm. but the going rate, because of what's going on in the city, is now thirty five hundred dollars a month. So, as a homeowner, isn't it your right to be able to charge what the I market guess, rate guess, is for yeah. the home?
0: I suppose. I suppose. I think there's bigger, more complicated issues. Yeah. So that in it's real it,
1: like again, it's kind of that double edged sword. So the sellers have to suffer because of more people coming in with more money
0: but their houses go up in price their houses so, go up in price no. in ending, talk about what buys what in in san francisco sure. now for the techies so and and again you have to like you get a million dollars this is called million dollar listings but it seems like many houses in san francisco are they're going to have to
1: go over 1 million dollars yeah. Right. so for okay so let's do under 1 million dollars so under 000. 1 million dollars definitely you're going to be able to get a studio anywhere right. you're going to be able to get a one bedroom apartment in a lot of places um that one bedroom apartment keep in mind is going to be about 600 square feet, it'll be a new apartment, you probably will not have parking, and you'll probably be paying an HOA of about $600 plus a month. Mm-hmm. Um, that's for all the common area amenities and stuff like that. So now if we start moving further out, mm-hmm. going into areas like the Richmond and mm-hmm. going to areas like the Sunset, closer to the beach, um, you'll be able to buy a single family home. For Am under I, a million dollars. Yeah, so perhaps. it might be like two bedroom, one bath, small square footage and needs work, but you could still buy a single-family home or like maybe a two- or three-bed condo mm-hmm. like on, on, on the beach area and stuff like that. So it's not the fact that people can't buy something for under a million dollars. It's just they need to open up their perspective on where it's going to be. And like right now, I was just looking at a three-bedroom, two-bath condo right across the street from the beach. Mm-hmm. For me, I like surfing and I like nature. Mm-hmm. I would love to have a three-bedroom, two-bath condo mm-hmm. right on the beach. That's pretty amazing for like 800000 $900,000. That's a great value for me. So – other people, they may not like that. They don't want to live that far. It's kind of removed. And, and, you know, they're going to have to come downtown, which is going to be on the Muni. It'll be about a 40-minute Muni ride. So that's a very big commute for some people. So it's just a matter of being able to expand your horizons. So you have to move out if
0: you don't want to pay a million dollars in San Francisco yes. or less. So uh, finishing up, what do you um, imagine this is going? How, how high could this thing go? What will happen if there's a tech uh, bubble per- bursting? It's that's going to be a before. very bad situation. Yeah.
1: And, and that's exactly what I was mentioning t- right. to that point I was mentioning earlier. 60% of the lease space is all through technology companies. Now, we both know that technology companies have about an 8% chance at making it. Right. So there's going to come a point in time where these investors that are dumping millions of dollars into these companies are going to say, hey, you know, it's been five years. You haven't given me a single return on mm-hmm. my dollar Um. That's it. What
0: happens to you? We're going to have to shut down the
1: shop. Um, For me, I need to have a good savings plan in place. (laughs) Um, You you know, this is the thing. I pride myself on being in the shelter business. Right. You need food, water, and shelter to survive. There's always going to be a transaction needing to happen, whether it be on the buy or sell side, because real estate is a transitionary job. You have a kid, you get a bigger house. Your kids move out, you downsize to a smaller house. You need a second home, you get a pied-a-terre. Ron, so, you
0: got us coming and going. It's, is, it's, so is there, is there, is, in finishing up, is there any crazy tech person you're going to have on in upcoming episodes? Is there?
1: Um, not for this season. Not for this season. Not for this season. We have a couple more episodes for this season. Um, but for next season, I've been getting reached out to by a lot of people, if, if there is a next season, by the way, yeah. um, that would love to sell their home or, or be involved in some way on the show. So, um,
0: now, why would you want to sell your home on a reality show?
1: <laughs> I think it's pretty fun. Yeah. You know, it's it, like I said, it's a quiet town, so not many people are, you know, very open to being on, on camera and stuff like that. But if you're doing something fun that's changing the world, why not, you know, buy or sell a place on, on TV to give yourself some more exposure that's a and, good point. Is and there, wear your t shirt yeah. that says so Whatever. and so company. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So is there one company that has the craziest buyers and sellers? Google, Twitter. Google. Google. Yeah. The Google, Google people are nuts. Yeah,
1: the Google people, I think, you know, they've been working for a long enough time. They're a little bit more experienced, a little more <laughs> responsible. and They're a little richer. They're <laughs> a little bit more wealthy. You know, Mark Zuckerberg's so, my neighbor now. You're kidding He's me. He's
0: driving the prices out of he, so All so the fun. Facebookers are up yeah, there.
1: Yeah, no, right right. when he purchased his property, I think everything in that surrounding area really kind of just yes, shot up.
0: thank you, Mark Zuckerberg, to me. Thank you, I Mark Zuckerberg. Say. Anyway, Ro. He or, should take
1: us to lunch for saying all I that good so. stuff about him, right? No,
0: well, just, uh, just in the real estate terms, but, you know, still. Yeah. Anyway, thank you so much. I'm I really so appreciate it. And good it. Luck on the so happy that show. thank you so much, Kara. I appreciate thanks.
1: it. I hope everyone tunes in Wednesday nights, 10 yes, p.m. Yes, on Bravo. Yes, please do your thing. All right, yeah. thanks a
0: lot. And it's a very funny show. I, uh, real estate is always funny. <laughs> thanks again, Ro. <laughs> All right. Okay, now we're on to Too Embarrassed to Ask. And today's segment is brought to you by Audible.com, which has more than 180,000 audiobooks and spoken word audio products. Get a free audiobook of your choice at audible.com decode. We're here today with Lauren Good, and we're going to be talking Snapchat. Last week, we talked to Walt about Windows 10, if you want to know about that. Uh, you can see our previous episode, but today it's all about the Snapchat with Lauren. Hi, Lauren.
2: Hi, Kara. How's it going? Have you seen my Snapchat that I sent no, you No, I this didn't. Morning? I never
0: look at your Snapchats.
2: That's really sad. I know it, it is. Really I, I
0: will, at some point in the future, look at your Snapchats. Do
2: you use Snapchat?
0: I do, because my kids are on it, and so I use so it. So you look at theirs? Yes, I look at theirs, and when they deign to Snapchat me, which is not very often. <laughs> um, but And, of course, I don't look at yours, but uh, you <laughs> called me this morning and said, have you looked at my Snapchat? And I said, no, and, she says, and Lauren said that was the only way I'm going to communicate with you. Is yeah, that correct? Going forward so I said it's good knowing you um <laughs> Uh, anyway, so Snapchat, go over very briefly. What is the topic? What do we want to do here about Snapchat? Is like people are too old to use Snapchat, or is it too hard to use, or the kids are using it? And
2: Well, interestingly, when we put feelers out on Twitter and Facebook asking people their questions about Snapchat, mm-hmm. I was expecting that people would ask us about user mm-hmm. interface, and why right. is it so confusing to use? Because there have right. been stories. I've written stories about that right. uh, myself, and explainers on how to use it and everything. And surprisingly, people seemed really curious about some of the new developments. Um, developments. Developments that have come out of Snapchat in the past six months or so around valuation how they make money, and also things like Discover, which mm-hmm. are these new stories they're doing with media partners. Right. So, I mean, that's, I'm not surprised that our Recode readers are very smart. We have very smart readers. But, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it seems like the confusion, maybe we're sort of over the hump of right. how do we use
0: Snapchat right. and we're really, I mean, people are really starting to take it more seriously. So you, you talked about the confusion of using it. Explain very briefly, and then we'll get to the questions, like what the difficulty is. Is it just is it a new paradigm or it's not as easy as text or people? You know, because Facebook, when it started, seemed confusing too. That's right. That, I mean, that feels like a while ago now, yeah. but it's true. Well, I think when Snapchat f-
2: first started back in, I guess it was around 2011 now, mm-hmm. um, people really saw it as a one-trick pony. You right. took a picture, you sent it for a certain number, I don't think there was video at the time, just a picture, and you sent it for a cer- certain number of seconds, and it disappeared. And it was Ephemeral very, messaging. It was, ephemeral was a, a right. buzzword what for a, word. a while. word,
0: never going to be seen again yeah. now that it's gone. <laughs> and, um,
2: and it was immediately pegged as a sexting app right. um, because people said, well, great, now I can send in decent things and it will disappear. And if you look at the app now, it's really graduated into a pretty, you know, it's multifaceted. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of different stuff going on in the app. But as Snapchat has added more and more things to the app, you're sort of swiping through and you're like, wait, where do I find friends? And where do I find these Discover stories? So I think a lot of the confusion around the UI stemmed from that, just right. as the apps started to the, grow you know, like
0: WeChat and others are doing that too. They're adding more and more features oh, yeah. on. They're and all, commerce. All, like they, all these communication mm-hmm. things are adding more and more features. So you're just gonna see that from, you're gonna probably see a commerce thing from Snapchat. You see a, you know, you see a media thing now. You see all kinds right. of things.
2: Yeah, they're, I mean, it's not just a messaging app anymore. And I think we're seeing that. So there's just, it, it, as you start to pack more features into an app, you have to be very careful about where you're putting them in a way that like, people are like, oh, it makes sense that I swipe this way and I would be able to perform this function. Right. And if that's not obvious in some cases, then you have the, the, the people writing, am I too old for Snapchat? Yeah.
0: Yeah, I am. Um, okay. At you're Joe not. BSF, why would I even bother to use it? That's, a very, that's the heart of the problem. This the is issue. from our editor, Joe Brown. Right. Exactly
2: who I think I tried to send a Snapchat to, and he was
0: like, oh, no, it's not happening. Right, so why Um, would he even bother? What's the the plus? What's the case for it? So
2: the pros, I think, are, uh, at a basic level, it's fun. Mm -hmm. It's kind of fun. Um, It is a messaging app. I mean, that's asking, why would I use any other messaging app? Why would I use Facebook Messenger? Why would I use iMessage? Mm You know, um, so it's a a communication tool. It's fun. It has progressed beyond a supposed sexting app. Um, It's Mm -hmm. now very much, I think, about storytelling. Mm So um, just the other day, I went on Snapchat, and I really don't use it all that often. I, mean, I maybe check in twice a week or so. And um, I, I just went into one of the, the Discover stories, and there was this fun BuzzFeed thing where um, it was basically rapidly cycling through a series of, of photos. And mm-hmm. if you used the, the screen, gap, screen grab function on your phone then whatever photo you saved would sort of pop up and say, like, you're spirit animals that hit Tyrannosaurus Rex. Now, this is, like, really Stupid. sort of light content. This okay. isn't, like, really earth-shattering light stuff. Yeah. yeah, But um, but there are different ways to interact with it now that if you're easily amused by that stuff, I mean, it mm-hmm. might be something that you're interested in, and you can see what your friends are up to right. through their stories. Right. Um, the cons are that people who are have concerns about privacy are like, well... Even if I, I send someone a Snap, they can still screen grab it, and right. it doesn't go away, and I don't like that. Mm-hmm. It's like anything you share over the internet. It's not going away. And some people may just see the app as childish. So, right. um, you know, of course, you don't have to use Snapchat, but I guess those are the pros and the cons. I think it's interesting
0: because, again, my 13-year-old is on it almost continually with his friends. They, don't do, they do not do Facebook. They do not. They text, certainly. They absolutely text. But I think to save money, they do Snapchat. And if they were in China, they'd use WeChat. You know, it's interesting. Um, are they using it to... Communicate. Act- actually
2: share pictures plan
0: make plans are they not i guess you're 13 no they're to amuse each other pictures entertainment entertainment and communication i would say Mm -hmm. you know they'll take a picture and then put a caption on it and stuff like that but it never does it never ends it doesn't ever stop which it's almost like being on the phone i mean what i'm curious about is whether or not these ephemeral
2: messaging apps are are going to um sort of take over I'll call real communication. Mm-hmm. We see a, that a little bit now with um, with Slack and right. the lack of threading. It's just the idea like you throw messages out in the workspace and they just kind of go, yep. they go away. And you not really find, you know, and so like what is happening to email? Right. What is happening to, to permanent
0: yeah. communications? Right. That's a very good point. Why does Snapchat seem to make arbitrary UX decisions release to release? Oh, that's,
2: that was a good question. Well, I think we kind of covered that, but mm-hmm. I mean, why do you think they, they do that? Because they yeah.
0: feel like it. I think they're trying things. I think they're trying things as they grow their audience. And they're, and they're
2: just trying to cram it all into this one yeah. app.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah.
2: Do you think, do you think Snapchat, Snapchat should do an app
0: split? Like other well, apps you know, others then? have. Would Explain that. Explain that to people. So
2: uh, a good example is Facebook and Facebook Messenger. And Facebook has other apps too. I mean, if you want to think of Instagram as a separate app, it, it technically is. Mm-hmm. Um, they did Facebook Paper for news reading. They did Facebook Messenger for mes- you know, messaging. Mm-hmm. And the idea is that a, f- a certain feature of an app becomes so robust and so widely used that you think, well, it's pretty worthwhile to sort of break this out. Um, it creates a separate user experience, but in some cases it may also create a separate revenue stream um, coming in. So I guess the question is, should the Snapchat get into the point where there should be
0: separate Snapchat, batch, right. Snapchat apps? Right. All right. Uh, buy one at buy one Bitcoin. Is there a monetization strategy besides beach towels? And the similar question from Spencer at spencerweiss.com. At Spencer M Weiss, are there enough ad dollars to support Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and will it find need to find another way to monetize? I want to know how that person got the
2: handle buy one Bitcoin.
0: And why <laughs> I just? Do won. you know I own one Bitcoin?
2: Well, maybe that should be your handle. Yeah, it should be. I only is own that one. you? Bit- I have a
0: single Bitcoin. Just, you know, it's really doing What is it, is it worth well. right now? Whatever I, I paid too much for it. <laughs>
2: So, I guess it's not entirely surprising that this person named Buy One Bitcoin is asking about money. Money, right. Um, Okay, so revenue for Snapchat is still a relatively new thing. They, uh, let's see, they just advertising mostly. Advertising mostly. Mm -hmm. And according to Recode's reporting, Kurt Wagner from our team has done a great job on this, and you have as well. Um, They just started rolling out their ad strategy last October, and -hmm. they really started sort of ramping it up around the Thanksgiving holiday. Um, but they are making money. I think the last report we ran on Recode.net last week is that Snapchat is targeting around $50 million in revenue this year. And that was according to sources that was in the company mm-hmm. coming out and saying that. Yeah. Um,
0: and we have good sources, Lauren.
2: We, we do indeed. Uh, and the company is gunning for a share of political campaign stuff that's going that's starting to heat mm-hmm. up and expects to bring in at least $200 million in revenue next year um so i mean that's that's pretty good for mm-hmm. something that started as a, let's call it a sexting app right um, absolutely you love to say
0: sexting Do you know that? I th- how many times have i said it so About far four right now all right so i've that's used okay. it i used up all me. my sexting cards okay good all right all right so at Stephen underscore mendoza Does the bringing publishers out of the Discover tab directly into the stories page signal they're having difficulty with engagement of Discover stories? Explain Discover stories for people to don't Discover
2: was rolled out in January in the Snapchat app. And what Mm -hmm. it is, it was uh, was media partnerships. Like I mentioned earlier, the BuzzFeed stuff that I was Mm -hmm. looking at. Mm -hmm. Cosmo, uh, ESPN, I think um, Vice… Comedy Central, a bunch of others, they were creating this short form content that you could go to in the Snapchat app. You'd watch a short video for 10 Mm -hmm. seconds or whatever it might be. Um, When it launched around January, it launched a lot of buzz because people started saying, great, this is gonna be like another revenue stream, this is gonna make money. Um, And then in April, another publication, The Information reported based on sourcing once again, Mm -hmm. that the engagement had really gone down Mm -hmm. in the Discover stories. And so I think what this person is asking is, the, a recent update to the to the Snapchat app now mm-hmm. shows you shows you the Discover stories a little bit more prominently, and whether mm-hmm. or not that's a signal they are having difficulty with engagement, mm-hmm. uh, it it could be that. I mean, certainly before the Discover stories weren't that easy to find. Mm-hmm. If you you got to a certain page in the app and you'd have to swipe left like once more to get to the Discover stories, and if you weren't thinking about swiping or you weren't there was nothing there indicating that that they were there you would have and to really you, like, think dig into the app to find them you think people read
0: and consume here is this is you know they're trying obviously Facebook's making a big play in this area very strong video presence yes. Google's been trying to do that all kinds of companies are trying to engage users in these spaces reading content and a lot of content Providers are, including our owner and others, are scrambling to figure it out, and it's difficult. It's a really difficult question of where you find audiences. It's a big debate of whether where you should be. Do you think this is going to be one of the viable places to consume content? I think it's it all could be. about Facebook and Google, essentially.
2: I think what's most interesting about Snapchat is that they have they have very active user base Mm -hmm. at our code conference last may or this past may Mm -hmm. um ceo evan spiegel said i think that they have now 100 million daily active users Mm -hmm. so the people are using this app people that like the app are using it every day it's Mm -hmm. not like people are installing it and then forgetting about it necessarily so the engagement levels are really high and so i think that if they can get if they can nail video and the video experience it could become a legitimate platform for people watching this stuff but the problem is um and this this um, person who asked this this question sort of nails this is that it that content was really kind of hidden before in the app right so it's going to be interesting to see how snapchat prioritizes that stuff in the app versus just the the basic the core messaging right. features right um but it could it i could. mean I, we've seen crazier things happen right. in media Absolutely. and social media and, you know, over and, the and, past decade and
0: facebook is of course getting into that area really strongly yeah google yeah there's
2: really interesting stuff going on YouTube. the past couple of days peter's been writing about it for mm-hmm. recode about um a copyrighted video appearing on Facebook and places where... Well,
0: now they have the Google problem, right? Which is yeah, the every, YouTube problem. The YouTube problem. Right.
2: And, and by all good- means, move at a glacial pace <laughs> to remove
0: it. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So for, thinking of, what are the key things you have to know about using Snapchat? What, are the, what should you do? If you want to start on Snapchat, what do you do? Give us like a quick walkthrough. Well,
2: first you have to have uh, an iOS or Android smartphone. Mm-hmm. It is not available on Windows. So sorry, Windows fans, you hear this a lot, but mm-hmm. you're out of luck. Um, and I guess if you're really going to get into it, you have to be someone engaged in it. It's not the kind of app where if you just duck in from time to time and you look at, you know, the snaps that people are sending you, you're like, what is going on? You know, I think the, I think the, um, the, my story stuff, when you look at, when you send stories out to your friends and they can view it for a limited, a limited number of times for 24 hours and you can view theirs, that's kind of interesting. Um, you can send a, a a photo or a text message or a video in Snapchat, you no longer have to hold down on the image that someone sent you in order to view it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's sort of, it's one of those things that now that I'm, I'm talking about it, I feel like what is this app I am describing to people who have never used Snapchat before? It does kind of sound like this mysterious unicorn right. weird thing. Right. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I guess those are the basics they're if the you're basics. looking to get into Snapchat. What would you say?
0: I mean, you've used it. I, I use text. I use text. I think I just use text just as much and because I, I have an unlimited text plan. But if I didn't, if I was in another country, I'd use all of these. I'd use WeChat. I'd use Snapchat. Um, I would use these messaging services. I think they're super robust. And when I was traveling, for sure, I used um WhatsApp. Everywhere I went yep. because it was inexpensive, it was on Wi-Fi and it was very robust and I yep. was able to I think it's just a question of where your audience is, the, who you're talking to. That's mm-hmm. really the Absolutely. issue going forward.
2: It's funny, when I was confused about Snapchat, maybe it was sometime last year when I was writing about it um, Walt actually helped me <laughs> figure out how to use it. He said, well you swipe this way and you do this and then you do this and it, I said, how often are you using Snapchat? Walt, well, yeah, Walt Mossberg. The Snapchat secret expert. life of Walt
0: Mossberg. <laughs> Lauren, thank you so much. Thanks, Kara. Sometimes in our closing Enough Said segment, we bring in other people besides myself to mouth off about critical issues in tech. I know you're relieved. Amina Sow is with us. She's co-founder of Tech Lady Mafia and a well-known advocate of issues of racial and gender diversity in the tech industry. She also has a fantastic podcast you should listen to. Welcome, Amina.
3: Hi, Kara. How Thanks you doing? Thanks for having me. Good.
0: The reason I'm having you on today is because you and I have been having this discussion. You just left working at Google, correct? Correct. And you um, had a lot to say about it, and I thought it was super interesting. So I asked you to put something together and uh, let us listen to it.
3: Sure, Kara. Thanks for having me. In hindsight, perhaps it was a mistake to read the circle on the flight over from New York when I moved to San Francisco. I was so full of optimism and so ready for the magic people talk about when they talk about the Bay Area. I wanted to believe San Francisco was a town fueled by creativity and hustle. Nope. Turns out what I found was a spiritless, pale town deadened by unquestioning tech worship. A few weeks into my new job, at Google, a friend asked me what I thought of Silicon Valley. It's like living in the first hundred pages of The Circle. Ugh, I know, I can't stand Dave Eggers either, but yeah, just read the first hundred pages of The Circle. I was semi-joking, but some of that stuff turned out to be prescient for me, at least. You win again, Dave, Dave Eggers. Google was a wonderful place full of wonderful people. I'm glad I went there instead of getting an MBA like I thought I should. I cannot stress how wonderful the people are and the snacks. I ended up leaving for many reasons, some personal, some not so, but I was not prepared for the onslaught of shock and disapproval I was met with. People got even more defensive when I told them I was probably leaving San Francisco altogether. To those people, I say, actually, it feels great to get away from a culture that wants to force us to adopt things that makes our lives easier without really thinking of their logical consequences. Maybe San Francisco is great, but it's not great for everyone. I grew up in cosmopolitan African and European cities. For a long time, my family was the only black family in our beautiful Brussels neighborhood. I'm not a stranger to white culture. As the kids used to say, I roll deep with white people. None of that prepared me for how isolated I would feel here. It was a shock to my system, and people don't talk about it enough. There seems to be a lot of chatter about diversity anytime a company discloses their pathetic numbers. A lot of people talk about the pipeline, but no real action. Those of us who go to work day in and day out and never see people in power that look like us or share our life experience know how soul crushing it can be. If women are subtly told they don't really belong in tech, people of color are rarely even acknowledged. Whenever I meet another person of color in this town, we exchange war stories, and they're always the same. Somebody probably asks to touch your hair. Somebody probably keeps confusing you with the only other black person. You look nothing alike in your group. Somebody probably says they're impressed at how articulate you are. Somebody probably says you're too aggressive when you barely assert yourself. Somebody asks you to take notes at a meeting because why else would you be here? Microaggression 101 stuff, and it slowly takes a toll. What do you do? I don't have an answer for everyone, but I think leaving is my best option. I don't quite know where or what I'm going to do next, but I'm hopeful. I believe that the tech ecosystem can be transformative, rewarding, and inclusive, and I'll keep chasing that dream.
0: Wow. Terrific, Amina. Where are you going?
3: You know, I don't know, Kara. Probably living in your basement for a while.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so this really, that's a really strong thing, because this is the kind of ideas I want to get out on this show, is the idea that not everything is this tech utopia people describe. I mean, you went to one of the best companies in tech. It's one of the most comfortable places to work. And yet there is something soulless like you were talking about it.
3: Yeah, you know, and I I don't, I don't think it's
0: different by the way, Google from other places. Yeah,
3: you know, I don't think that it has anything to do with the company as much as it has to do with the honestly like this the spirit of this town, like mm-hmm. I said. Um people are really into into technology that just, you know, makes lives easy for people usually mm-hmm. in San Francisco. Mhm. And because there is not any diversity, nobody really questions how this affects people that, you know, look different than your regular tech worker.
0: And how do you change that? Is there a change to it or is this sort of a like a group think that you can't get rid of? I mean, earlier we talked about real estate. Like it's just they've created this sort of bubble of a place.
3: I think that you can change it. I think that the deeper question, honestly, is do people want to change it? Right. Because... Um, you know last year, all of the tech companies released their diversity numbers, and honestly they were pathetic yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was It was pretty laughable right and then a year later, after all of this talk, all these think pieces, all of this you know like white Ellen people Powell, pretending they care to, you know yeah. they care right nothing has really moved so what
0: can make it move what can what could happen if they wanted to
3: i think a, like an actual real conversation about why it matters, but also I you know i'm a firm believer that this is also kind of a place where the government can step in and really just push people for more quotas push them for more action push Which them is very for more reporting idea. you know it's very controversial but you know th- these companies just are not hiring people of color they're not hiring women and it's not because they're not there if you look at the actual you know the pipeline i'm making this <laughs> i'm making um scare quotes cuz i hate that term so much People are there and they're not being hired, you Mm -hmm. know, and um, and I hear this a lot from a lot of a lot of like especially women and other people of color. I know where they'll say I have applied to this place like, you know, four different times and I'm not even getting like a screener interview or I or you just you don't fit the profile. Right. And I think that that's something that, you know, we need to really dig deeper into.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. So are you relieved you're leaving?
3: Um am i relieved i'm leaving san francisco yes it's i'm new york uh, Washington you know who knows new york l a you know and not to say that any of those people those places are are better you know right. i i really wanna well they're better for some things I really yeah. want to stress that, but I think that something really sinister happened in San francisco very fast okay. <laughs> and um no I, I feel i feel really strongly about yeah. it this this town it, it is very weird how uniform uh, you know, this like tech worker experience can be. And people are, people are really reluctant to break out of it.
0: Well, that is something to think about. Thank you so much for your incredibly thoughtful essay. thoughts. I'm Kara Swisher. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next week with Vijaya Gaudi, the general counsel of Twitter and much more.
1: This has been Recode Decode hosted by Kara Swisher. For more hard-hitting interviews with insiders from the worlds of tech, media, and politics, subscribe to Recode Replay on iTunes, featuring candid conversations with leading voices like Snapchat CEO Evan Spiegel, Uber founder Travis Kalanick, reality star Kim Kardashian,
2: Shark Tank host Mark Cuban, and presidential candidate Hillary Clinton, President Obama,
3: and more. They're all on Recode Replay. Thanks for tuning in.